Film Review. I'm Jared, and with me, as always, is Dan. Hey, Dan. Hi, Butter Biscuits. <laughs> you know, I was just about to ask you that, because like, I, I feel like we should do nicknames for each other. Yeah, yeah. Butter Biscuits, or, or maybe a String Bean. Oh, yeah. String Bean probably works better for my physique. <laughs> I was thinking for you... Like ham and eggs. Ham and eggs. What do you think? Because I just want to eat you up. You know? <laughs> Call me Hammond. Hammond. <laughs> Daryl Ham and Eggs. Daryl Ham and Eggs. Hmm. We like to have fun here. <laughs> yeah. So we, we wanted to come up with nicknames, and String Bean is just a placeholder. I'll, I'll think of a different one by the end of the All show right, for sure. Throughout the episode, make them uh, less hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'll try. Hey, Dan, what film did we watch? We watched a film. Well, first of all, what do we do here, Jared? Oh, God. Um, we review independent films? Yes, we are the Indie Film Review. We review independent oh, films. Very good, yeah. very good. All right, Thank that you. was question number one. Question number two. What film did we watch this week? No, that's my job. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Down and Yonder is what Down we Down and Yonder. This is another film by the great Christopher Flippo. Yes, and uh, Jeff James turned us on to uh, this. He is a producer of uh, both Down and Yonder and Edge of Town. And uh, he is our Patreon, uh, our, one of our newest Patreons. So thank you so much, Jeff James. He yes. sent us a very nice message. Uh, and he's like, hey, can you guys review uh, the prequel to Edge of Town? And I'm like, hell yeah, yes, we're going to do it. And not only are we going to review it, we're going to review it a lot sooner than like a year now. <laughs> it's like, or whatever, however long it takes now for us to get to your films. Uh, so yeah, uh, the, awesome. I was uh, fucking stoked. Uh, thank you so much, Jeff. Um, you know, this Patreon thing is actually kind of working out. We're actually getting money from doing this. Yeah, I'm so keeping surprised. the lights on here. <laughs> keeping the lights on. Uh, good old IFR. I can't believe people actually, uh, you know. We tricked them, is what I'm saying. We got them. <laughs> Dan, yes! Yes! My fucking scheme worked. Uh, now I can Anzi. support our gambling habits. What else do we have? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, definitely gambling habits. Uh, um, mm-hmm. I love the ponies. Love them. Gotta bet. <laughs> Gotta bet. Gotta get my money on... Gotta bet them all. On Yellow Dart down the stretch. Yellow Dart? <laughs> yellow Dart and Sea Trumpet. Sea Trumpet. Yeah. yeah. That's right. That's your new nickname. Sea Trumpet. Sea <gasps> Trumpet? Oh, I love it. Oh, man, we're only three minutes in and I fucking love what it. What does Anyways, that even okay. have to do with anything? It has nothing like that nickname doesn't even make any sense. It's called Jared. improvisation, Daniel. All right. <laughs> sea trumpet, huh? Why not yeah. land tuba? <laughs> Very good. Very good. Oh, wonderful. And that's why you get paid all the Patreon bucks. <laughs> that was fantastic. Okay, let's get into it. Down in yonder, Dan. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what this film is? Down in yonder, huh? Why not up in here? <laughs> up in here. Up in here. Up in up here. In here. <laughs> Make my movies up in here. Oh, wow, we're shit. having fun today. 
Oh, I'm DMX, like may he rest in peace. Um, oh, in his monster truck <laughs> funeral <laughs> car. That's a real thing. Uh, okay, so Down in Yonder was a story, or is a story, about two friends who grow up in this rural Georgian town. Rural, rural Georgian town. And one of them is just okay with it. He's grown into it. And the other one wants to get away. And this film is kind of about their relationship, how it becomes tumultuous because of this this fact that they want, they're want they kind of growing One's growing with the town, the other one's growing apart from the town. It's basically just a drama about their relationship and how it unfolds and how they advance into new lives together yes. and apart. The chrysalis forms and then they emerge as beautiful butterflies. Yes. But no, yes. really, I think it's like the film is trying to say, you know, it's good to change. Change can be good, but you can also keep who you were, right? Like, mm-hmm. you don't have to change completely. Yes. And sometimes not changing can be... Well, I don't know if it's okay, but it's almost like... Because the, the film kind of makes it where it's like, oh, I want to go to the big city and do all this stuff, and then they go there, and it's like, it's the same, you know? It's like, it's kind of the same wherever you go. It's just, you got to find out what makes you happy, and then go find those things, and then once you find it, then you're good. And um, in this case, the main character is kind of pursuing a different career path while falling in love with this girl that he met. Yes. Which is like, that's the thing that's making him happy. Whereas Sugar Baby, his friend, which is why we're doing the nick- nickname things, uh, he he is more in his element at in the town. Like, he likes the quietness. You know, he likes... He doesn't like picking up garbage or whatever, but, you know... So, like, one he can improve say, his life by staying there. One can say What's that up? there are two different types of people in the world. Thank you, Dan. I f- you're saying that way better than what I'm saying. But so, okay. Somebody Let- can grow up and be okay with the town they're in, and another person yeah. will just say this town sucks and tries. And like you said, they they go out and they they find out that the world is terrible, no matter where they go. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt about because I'm from Florida um, originally. I'm not there anymore. And when I left Florida to see other places, I was like, hmm, Florida's not too bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I grew up my whole life just being like, oh, Florida. But uh, yeah, you know, there's some pretty cool stuff there, too. Anyways, all right, Dan, let's get into questions. Yes. I have a question for you. Yes. So, okay, I had I had issues with the focus of the plot in Edge of Town. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there was an issue with that in this film? Like, how did you feel like the flow of this movie or the plot in general? How did that, how did that work for you? I was a little... Um, confused at times because of how the plot is structured through flashbacks at at some points where we go back and forth in time and um without warning. So that the first time that happened, I'm like, wait, what's going on? And then we go back maybe forty more minutes into it, and we're back. But to, his hair is different, though. Yeah, I know, I get that, but it just it was so I don't want to say confusing. It, it made me question, like, did it need to be told that way? I guess. Oh, I'll say I was confused for like a half a second and then I, I got it. I got it pretty fast. Like it didn't bother me, I think, as much as it was bothering you. It didn't it bother me, so to say, so to speak. It just it felt like it didn't aid in the plot at all. Mm. So why have it? I mean, and that that's probably just a nitpick, but. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a grumpy old man that likes chronological order. 
All right, Father Time. Ooh, this is a good nickname for you. Uh, no, I, I like the flashbacks. I don't think they were that confusing. Um, and I, I kind of like the layeredness of the story and how it I was did like the layers, yes. It was interesting because the main character, uh, let's see, uh, Chris, Chris Schultz as Wally. I didn't realize that, that it was him at the beginning. And then when they went to the flashback <laughs> and he had the shaved head, he looks so different. Yeah, he does. So different. I, I didn't recognize him at first. And then I finally got it. I love how uh, Jeff James as Sugar Baby, I love how he looks exactly the same. Flashbacks, flash forwards. I, I feel like that's part of his character. Like, he, yes. he, he oh. doesn't change, but but Chris Shells or as Wally. Yeah. Wally changes. Yes, absolutely. But you can change and but still be the same person, Dan. Yes. Jared, how did you like the editing in this film? I liked it a lot. I I there was maybe like one scene I can't put my finger on it exactly. So it was during a transition where I felt like there's a lot of really good shots of that just give you atmosphere or they're establishing shots, right? Mm -hmm. And there was maybe one of those that was a little abrupt, but the rest, I thought the editing was really good. Editing is fantastic in this film, more so than in um, Edge of Town, I will say that. Um, yeah, it, I feel a like lot this of, film just flowed a lot better. A lot of creative edits, a lot of creative cuts. Some edits are played for humor, which worked. Oh my god, this movie is so funny. <laughs> this movie's really funny. I'm not saying that Edge of Town had worse editing. I'm just saying it was more noteworthy in this film, I guess. Yes. And you could tell that I don't know, it just it felt like it was more of a like a a a a, a passion. Yeah, a passion project, I guess is what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can feel the love. I mean, both of the films very much have similar themes mm -hmm. but this one felt more personal these transitions it's like it'll show like a caterpillar you know kind of like scrunching up on oh a yeah b-roll in this film grade a oh, grade so a b-roll how do you even have that i don't know and then they'll have I don't, I don't know if they bought it or they went out and shot it i but either way it was great and and there's like two little girls playing, you know, uh, with the sprinklers and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it, it just really sets the tone so well. And it eases you right into the scenes. And it's like, I totally forget I'm even watching a movie. This film was like hypnotizing to me to where I was just really along for the ride. Again, like I said before, it was very funny. The comedy in it surprised me because of how serious everything is you know, kind of going through and you're like following these people's lives. It, I didn't realize it was going to be so funny. Oh, well, did you think it was funny, Dan? Yes, I did. I mean, there were a few times that I did laugh. It wasn't, I, I don't want to like give anybody's um, hopes up and say that it's like a straight up comedy because it's no, not. It's not like super bad or something. Yeah, it, but, it's uh, more just like a drama that unfolds and the characters find themselves in ridiculous situations or they have really just silly not silly dialogue but really really fun dialogue that turns into a joke or something like that jared which one of these fantastic characters was your favorite i feel like it's a pretty easy get Obviously, it's Chase Parker as Thomas because his voice is so nice. No, <laughs> no, seriously, though, every time I hear his voice, I'm just like, yep, just keep talking to me. Whatever you want to say. And he has such small roles in both of the films. I know. Like, I'm like, you want to be a cult leader? 
I'm in, baby. <laughs> let's let's do it. Church of the Deep Voice. Uh, no, <laughs> Jeff James is Sugar Baby. His character is perfect in this. Mm-hmm. The role was written for him. It's like a glove. It was, it's it's like so fun. a glove. I love how charming he is. I think he's less pathetic. Uh, the character he's playing is less pathetic. Well, in this because movie. he he feels yeah, he's definitely less pathetic. He he has a tinge of patheticism, if that's even a word. Patheticism. Patheticism. He has a tinge of patheticness in him, mm-hmm. but he is more earnest in this one, I think. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I believe that kind of propels him into his his strength as a character. I, I really liked him hitting on Colleen. I wish we would have had way more scenes with that. Like, yeah. I, I could have just watched him be rejected by Colleen and, and like, build their relationship over time where they start off as friends, you know? Um, yeah, that would have been really great. I could have watched an entire movie of that, honestly. I think my favorite scene with him in it was whenever he was he goes to dinner with Wally and uh, Mara and he's he's asking about um the population of homosexuals in bigger cities because he's not from a big city. Oh, yeah, he's fascinated by it. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> embarrassing yeah. and really charming. <laughs> it's it was in like you just Wally is just you, you he's cringing. You're like, "Oh god, no." Because like I know people like that and it's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, I can totally see this conversation happening." Okay, so we're going to get into this movie. Uh, Down in Yonder, it is on YouTube. If you just go search Down in Yonder, the full feature, you will find this film. I highly recommend it. Yeah, give it a watch. It's a really nice little indie drama. It was a treat to watch this movie. Indie filmmakers have a lot of success, I think, with with this notion of what we consider to be drama. Like, genre films in the indie spectrum typically anchor like there's this the the spectrum goes from being way too crass to being something that is it's a bell curve it's like crass on either side and then in the middle the the peak is like you know that golden area and with genre films i feel like people pander the genre a little bit too much so anytime that i watch a film that's independent and it is a drama um i'm typically more floored by it in in that sense like it always impresses me the the lengths they they are able to go to tell a very interesting story all right so we're gonna get into the film how do you want to do this you want to just start talking about scenes we like yes let's do that so one of the big things that they are doing as the this group of or this group this these two friends uh sugar baby and wally this group of two friends this group of two friends, they have a time capsule that capsule. a bunch of them, their their childhood friends, they all wrote down letters at age seven to themselves in twenty years. So yes. the idea is that they're going to revisit this time capsule in twenty years and read the letters that they wrote themselves. So a big plot device is this time capsule that they are digging up out of the ground, and at one point. I thought that it was going to turn very dark and because you don't know what they're digging up until maybe halfway through the film. Yeah, I was wondering too. How it's presented to you is the last time that Mara is asking Wally, what happened the last time you and Sugar Baby hung out? And he's like, well, we just dug a hole. 
And he's not letting on, you know, the specifics of it, but they literally just dig a hole to get this time capsule out. But you don't know that it's going to be a time capsule for quite some time. So I'm like, did did they murder somebody and they just buried him? <laughs> Yeah, yep, like what yep, secrets yep. are they going to be uncovering? I don't understand. Oh <laughs> man, this could have been a totally different movie. Be a stand by me feature. They pull out the box. And there's just a head in it. And he's like, "What's in the box?" <laughs> oh, I'm so funny. Anyways, uh, yeah, the whole idea with the time capsule and them revisiting it several times, I thought was really good. And I thought mm-hmm. it was a really good backbone for connecting what this movie is, which is just a series of scenes of people having ennui. You know, they're really just contemplating their place in the world and existence and like, well, and it, uh, it, can I like, elevate myself to yeah, be happy? It, like, what can I do to make myself happy? The time capsule is like that physical representation of something that is tethering you to the, the town in which you have grown up. Right. Yeah. So it's it's not just all about um, what did we say to each other? Or what what are we trying to say to our future selves? It's also something that holds them together. And I think that is significant in the fact that they uncover the thing early. Remember, like they they dig it up a whole year early mm-hmm. in the film, and I think they're gonna forget. Which yeah. is yeah. And then Sugar Baby, his his Sugar Baby. Yeah. Yeah, sugar sugar baby. Sugar baby, he he is okay with it. He feels like he is like it's a, it's not a surprise to him, but then whenever Wally reads his, he feels disappointed, I guess. Mhm. So it it's it's a really interesting dynamic between the two and their relation not just to the town but to themselves and their their pasts. Because their past is also a very important plot device that gets brought up multiple times in the film. Yeah, like um, Sugar Baby's relationship with the police officer uncle Mm -hmm. and how that's kind of like his anchor there. That one scene where Mason just like relives a terrible a night where they caused a lot of trouble, but he Mm -hmm. he remembers it so fondly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, don't worry. We're going to talk about Mason, the third friend that shows up. He's it's amazing in this movie. Corey Ryan Forrester plays Mason, and he was really fun. He was also in uh, Edge of Town as the friend. But what I wanted to say is, so the, the letters that they wrote to themselves, when they finally read it, it's just nothing. It's so inconsequential. They read it, and it's like... It's all just like bullshit about girls. And then Sugar Baby reads his and is like just saying some shit about how I want to be an astronaut, which is so funny because that's the complete opposite of where Sugar Baby is now. Mm-hmm. Right? Like he doesn't want to leave. Binary opposition. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah I want to yeah. get as far away from the Earth as possible <laughs> as being yeah, an astronaut. So like, in a way, he has changed so yeah. much because Mason gives him a gift of the little astronaut guy. And he's like, oh, Sugar Baby, this reminded me of you. And he's like, why would it remind you of me? I don't get it. Because he's living in the past. Mason is stuck in the past. He's remembering how they were back then. But everyone is changing, right? So, uh, I don't know. I thought it was really interesting. But anyways, fucking Mason. Yeah. (laughs) Allie introduced this character. They're like, oh, Mason's going to be in town for a few days. And he's like, well, how long do we have to hang out with him? (laughs) They said at least two hours. (laughs) Because we're going to have dinner with him. (laughs) 
I mean, already Sugar Baby just is the way so in which, mad. Yeah, the way they they introduce him as some some obstacle that they must overcome. Yeah. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> and and then the intro scene for him is. Oh, um, this is an amazing shot, by the way, where the camera is zooming around this table. My favorite shot in the movie. And it's just Mason going on and on and on about this stupid fucking shit. Because, he's again, he's living the past. He's just talking about all these things they used to do and all the trouble they used to get in. And uh, it just goes on for so long that I started laughing. It, it mm-hmm. just became funny to me. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. Because then it keeps cutting to their faces, and they're just like, oh, God. Because <laughs> they, re- again, how you were saying, they remember it as not fun. And yeah. And then he's remembering it as, like, what a great time. This, this a was. triumph of his, mm-hmm. basically. And and he's so not modest about it at all. <laughs> like, it's it's terrible. But yeah, yeah, you were yeah. talking about the cinematography. Like just it starts on Sugar Baby's face, and then it slowly tracks um, around Sugar Baby's head, around Wally's head, all so the way to show who Mason is. Like it was a good reveal of Corey Ryan Forrester. And it was, um, oh my God, just, it was so methodical, so deliberate. It it was, it was well done. Well done. It was, uh, spicy and I liked it. I liked it. And you know what? So we got Mason living in the past, right? Yes. Unable to really change. He misses all of that. Then we had that jock, that football jock. Oh, Andrew. um, Yeah. Yeah. So Andrew shows up. I think it's Andrew at least. Um, I don't know. He wasn't really like an important character. I, I think they gave him a name. But so Sugar Baby's hanging out at the bar. Everyone's left. This is I th- probably even a different day. But and we start to learn that like Andrew just got a divorce and he's like super sad with his life. But apparently he was he went to high school with Sugar Baby. So and then, and then they start getting into like like there's a funny scene where uh, they're playing cornhole. And he's like, man, somebody. He's like, I remember back in the day, somebody tore up the football field with four wheelers. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah. what kind of asshole would do that? And then earlier on, they had... The whole conversation the, about how yeah, that is what they did. That's what all the <laughs> the three friends did. And he's like, yeah, oh yeah, it's really shitty. And at the end of that night, those two end up getting very drunk. Uh, a dart gets thrown into the sugar baby's hand, which is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. And another one of those genius editing... Yeah, yeah. Because you don't ever see it. They don't it's just show like it. yeah. They they just show the the setup to it and he's like, Come on, it'll be fine, trust me. You just gotta trust me. And then cut to him with a bandaged hand. It's like, <laughs> of course. And then later on Sugar Baby's like, Yeah, it was kind of fun though. You you just had to be there. <laughs> but the profound thing I think is when they're both in the back of the squad car and the jock is kind of almost in tears, just saying like my life is a fucking mess, and I wish I was back in high school, because mm-hmm. that's the happiest time of my life. And it made me think, like, where I am in my life is the happiest time of my life. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I wasn't very happy in high school. It's so funny how... Yeah, I wasn't either. Uh, how different it is, I guess. I mean, the only thing, because I because I teach high school, it's like, I try to instill in my kids, it's like, you want to appreciate what you have now, because I wish I did that. I wish I had a better time in high school because it, yeah. it was easy in high school. It is no longer easy. Oh, yeah. That's the whole thing, right? And that's why people are so fond of the past. They're like, oh, it was a better time back then. I'm like, you were a child back then. <laughs> that's why it was so great for you. Uh, but yeah, I love the play on that. 
And then like, what's, what's the payoff for that jock character is that like two or three years later, he gets married again and he's kind of trying to move on and press on with his life because you can't go back. Right. Mm -hmm. The philosopher is your new nickname. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I was like, come on, that deserves a nickname. Where's my fucking nickname? Uh, all right, Dan, you got anything else? Jared, um, I really liked the the relationship between um, Officer Boylan and Sugar Baby. Because yeah. Because I think it was his uncle. Yeah. And again, it just it, it speaks to the idea of people are expected almost to remain in a town, maybe, I guess mm. is how I felt about it. Officer Boylan, he can only protect Sugar Baby for so long. And it is interesting because he turns into a plot device because his he, he dies and um, Wally wasn't there for him, essentially. Yeah, and that kind of brings him back to the town where Wally's like, oh, I have to go visit my friend. They they have an argument pretty much when they're when they're burying the time capsule. Yes. And uh, in the last part of the movie is them reconnecting again, which I thought was all very good and organic. I, the fight scene was good. <laughs> like the tussle was pretty great. But what's great about... Uh, the police officer is he tells Sugar Baby Sugar that Baby. he's like, listen, I've told your father that I would protect you and and keep you safe. But he's like, but that's not enough, right? Mm-hmm. You being safe isn't enough. And Sugar Baby needs to find out what makes him happy, right? Or like he can change and still be the same too. And I, I feel like he starts to find that in his own way, much like Wally is doing it in, much, in a much more drastic way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I I really thought the message of this movie was very interesting. All right, Dan, we've come to the end. Let's give our final nicknames. Now these nicknames are going to be permanent. You can't change them after this. Okay? okay. So I want you to really think hard about the nickname you're about to give me because this is going to be my name for the rest of my life, and we will never change it because we didn't learn anything from this film. Perfect. Boogie fish. <laughs> All right. So, boogie fish, I'm going to call you disco slut. Yes. All right. Boogie Good. fish and disco slut. Everyone write it down. I'm going to walk around walk around with zoot suits and pimp oh, hats. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm going to dress as like, you know the skeleton bones of a fish? That'll be me. Mhm. Yeah, but I'll be green like a boogie. That'll be fun. Well, I mean, I wasn't thinking about boogie that way. I was thinking about dancing, you know. Oh, dancing? Well, can't it be both? Yeah. Well, hey, boogie fishing, disco slut. That's what I was saying. Great radio. (laughs) (laughs) It's like great radio DJs. (laughs) Welcome to Boogie Fishing and Disco Slut on KFMRT. Cool. Wow, we did it. We are really good podcasters. And you, you know that because we say it out loud to people all the time. A wonderful big round of applause and thank you to Jeff James once more for mm. um, submitting to us down in yonder and yeah. donating and Patreon. donating $5 to our Patreon. Yeah. We thank you for both the contribution and the film and your presence in both of them. Your presence is much appreciated. Uh, 
But guys, you can find us on Twitter at IndieFilmPod. You can find us on Instagram at IndieFilmReviewPod. You can email us at TheIndieFilmReview at gmail.com. Again, you can donate money to our Patreon. Um, and Jared, tell us about Necropodicon. I will. Necropodicon is such a fun place. If you go to Necropodicon.com, there is a link to the Discord there. It's a big old button. You can come and hang out with us and talk with us. And, you know, we're just shooting the shit over there. Uh, usually I'm just posting um, cat pictures because I'm sad and lonely. But, uh, you know, maybe you can <laughs> get me out of my cat depression. Cat depression. <laughs> no. I'm kidding. I'm actually doing great. Uh, <laughs> but... Yeah, we have a lot of fun over there. There's a lot of really other cool podcasts of different genre over there. So, yeah, go check it out. Necropodicon.com. Dan, I just kind of want to say, too, uh, I have so much fun doing this podcast. And I'm yes. so glad we're still doing it. And it makes my day. It does. <laughs> I feel so great now. <laughs> I woke up and I'm just like, oh, no, I'm so sleepy. And then now I feel great. Anyways, uh, yeah. So thank you all again for listening. I appreciate you. Dan, you have the final word. Boogie fish. Disco slut. What are you guys? A couple of 70s uh, people? <laughs> Nailed it! <laughs> Damn. Are you searching for a D&D podcast that tells a twisted and macabre tale, set in a world in a siege by cosmic horrors? One that will make you fear for what lurks in the darkness and question your own grasp on reality? To bear witness to a party struggle against their inner demons as they walk the thin line between hero and villain, while their sanity frays and falls apart at the seams. Keeping good humor and a joke on their lips as all they know and love crumbles away. The chanting of cults, the corruption of mortals, the nightmares of the cosmos and the whispering of dark gods all awaits you in Gunpowder, Treason, No Plots, a 5th edition D&D podcast. Be sure to listen on any of your favorite podcast providers. Part of the Necropodicon Network. Hard to pronounce? Easy to listen.